listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. In turning your Bibles to Exodus 20 as we get back into our series here on the Ten Commandments and, and um, just the, the truth that we see in God's Word that is so transformational. And encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, to um, the ushers are coming forward. They have a copy of God's Word for you. If you don't have a Bible at home that you can use on a regular basis, or um, this is an ESV, would love for you to take that Bible and use it today in the service and take it home if you would like. It's great. We are needing to order more of them. That's always a good order that we get to make when, when we run out of Bibles are running low on Bibles. We love to get the Word of God into people. Continue to bring your, the Word of God with you, whether by gadget or by printed Word on Sunday mornings, because I want you to see these truths, not just hear them, but see these truths, underline, highlight, just, just see the amazing truths that we see in God's Word, and we're going to cover a lot of Scripture today. So have your pens out, be ready to write down references. I know that some of you, you're going to want to like look some of these up, because what I'm talking about, it's amazing. These are great truths, and so I encourage you to be taking notes and writing down references, and if it's still too fast for you, email me, and I'll send you a transcript, all right? And then you can, you can get your cheat notes that way, all right? So we're looking at the third commandment today, and the, as we, the, the, the Ten Commandments, and even as we look at the third one, these are more than just, they're just not a bunch of rules, like, you know, get out the whip and, you know, do this kind of thing. It's, it's so much more than that. They are an invitation to a relationship, a dynamic, a powerful, uh, amazing relationship with God. And God did not gather his children there at Mount Sinai to give them the law and say, do these things and then I will consider adopting you. Do these things and then I will consider making you my own. It's him saying, I've adopted you. I love you. I'm crazy about you. I brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt, and you are free. And I've got an amazing future for you in the promised land. And here are these laws, these commandments that will ensure that you will have a right relationship with God and with those around you. However, Israel found out just as we have found out that no human is able to perfectly keep the law of God in its entirety. There was only one person who did that, and his name is Jesus. And that is why we run to Jesus. That's why at the end of this message today, we will be worshiping Jesus. That's why we are going to spend time remembering his love and his sacrifice. And when we truly, truly, truly receive Christ, not just kind of pray some little prayer and then just like, whoo, that's done. But when we truly understand the gospel, when we truly understand what Christ, who Christ is and what he has done in our lives, we receive a new heart with new desires and a new power that comes not from ourselves, not just through behavioral modification or just trying harder, but a new heart, new power that comes through the Holy Spirit with new desires, with a desire to obey the word of God, not perfectly, but progressively in our lives, that, that it's a progression. That's called sanctification, where we're becoming more and more Christ-like in what we do and what we say. And today we come to a very important commandment. And we're going to read it here in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
I think you'd agree with me just through life and society and different things that everyday language continues to decline more and more and more. The language of people is becoming more and more vulgar, profane, irreverent words towards God and towards one another. In the 2014 movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Sorsese, the F word is used a total of 506 times in that movie for an average of 2.8 times per minute. In that movie, it's also documented that God's name is misused over 100 times, as well as many other profanities. In fact, the profanity list is well over 700 profanities in that movie alone. On television, on radio, printed word, talk shows, social media, the workplace, school, and all through society, God, Jesus, and Christ are used in a whole combination of ways. Not for worship, but as an expression of anger, surprise, happiness, pain, hurt, grief as a filler in sentences, we'll use it, and so on. You know, some of these reality TV shows that you watch where we used to watch that home improvement with Ty Pennington where they would take and destroy someone's home and fix it all back up and give them a new home and then they'd make the big reveal. And the thing, I love that show. In fact, actually in our old church, I actually did a spoof on that as we redid our church, you know, and, and, and some of those are on YouTube, I'm embarrassed to say. But you can see some of those kind of recreations of the TV show. The thing that drove me crazy is when they would reveal they would go, oh my, and, and what, was, what would they say? They would take God's name, and I'm like, shut up, that drives me crazy. I mean, can't you, you know, and, and it would almost stick out when somebody would at least say, oh my goodness. It was like, oh, they're not saying, oh my God, that's so different. And, and we've become so used to seeing these kind of things and, and very desensitized in many ways. That's just one of the ways that this command is broken. And it's easy to become desensitized by vulgarity that is around us. It's easy to see um, these profanities and expressions creep into our own lives, either inwardly in our mind, maybe it doesn't flow out of our mouth for others to hear, but in our mind, or even a part of our speech. Exodus 20, verse 7, what does it say? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. However, this command is so much more to do than just swearing and filthy language. And today as we examine the text and the whole of Scripture, we're going to look at a lot of Scriptures today, we may find that we have all, in fact, we all have broken this command. So no one, no matter how much, in what way or whatever, we are all guilty of this in one way or another. And so it's kind of good we're all in the same boat. But we can also look to the same Savior for forgiveness and for mercy, and for power to overcome using God's name in vain. And today as we look at the scripture, whether we've used the word, the name of God in vain, knowingly or unknowingly, we have to realize that it will affect our lives one way or the other. This is a serious matter. And as I've been digging into God's word in this this week, it's just hit me in my own life, the reality of what God's word has to say here and, and how I measure up or how I don't measure up. And so I run to Jesus. And can I remind you that, that God's word tells us, and we all know this, I mean, just in life, but God's word tells us words matter. In John chapter, uh, or, or Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So what, is, what really is coming out of our mouths is an expression of what's really in our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. In, in Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for most careless words. They, no, I changed that to, to ease it up a little bit. No, this is what it says. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for the building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Those are instructions from God's word. God is not ultimately, though, just after people who have a clean, clean mouth, who don't swear, who even when you bump your, you know, when you bang your thumb or stub your toe and, and you know, it, it, it's, it, it's a nice little, um, not a, you know, we have a great reaction to that instead of some sort of a curse word. He, he's not just interested in people not taking his name in vain. He's after the heart. He's after a transformed heart and a changed heart that is growing more and more in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as our hearts change, our mouths change. Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, he said, set an example. Set an example, Timothy. Even though you're young, no matter your age, set an example for the believers. Set an example for one another in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so if we were to summarize the third command, if we back up to the first one, if the first commandment confronts idolatry when God says, you shall have no other God than me, than the one true God, and the second commandment confronts heresy, it's about worshiping the one true God and worshiping him rightly, and there's a lot of ways. You can go online, you can listen to the sermon, you can get a CD at, at, at the info desk that there's a lot of ways we can worship God wrongly. Worship the one true God, but we're worshiping him wrongly, and that's... that's um, confronts heresy. And then the third command that we're going to look today is about confronting hypocrisy in our lives and to see how our lives and our words measure up. Again, Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And so as we look at this third commandment, I encourage you to write down that, that and take down the, these uh, notes here as you see them on the screen, you might want to write down some other things. But as we look at this third command, may we understand the power of the name. May we understand the power of the name. Now, today, we, use, uh, we give names to our children uh, as a Friday, and I'm not even sure yet, have Kelsey and, and Jordan, have they named their little guy yet? Is anyone here? Does it, can I see a hand? Like, is there a name? Do you know if they have? It's Dwayne. I, I, think, I think Dwayne just told a lie, so we will deal with him. And um, I, I, I even put a bid in for Meldon, said, you know, if, he, if Meldon is somewhere in there, like, seriously, that kid will be spoiled. You know, I mean, it's probably, we maybe don't have a name yet, because he was like nine pounds, four ounces, and Kelsey, um, yeah, almost outweighing Kelsey, the little guy. Anyways, I mean, just so, so thankful for that. But we, we choose names oftentimes. Uh, we'll name someone a name that we'll name them after a family member or a close friend, or, or maybe we go with kind of the popular trendy name that seems to be out there. Just so you know, in Canada, for 2015, the trendy, popular name, the top names for, for girls, Emma 
Olivia and Sophia are the top three names. And by chance, Charlotte was number eight. So, so my wife is back into the trendy top 10. I mean, she's top 10 anyways, but you know, like even her name is now, uh, you know, top 10. You know, and, and for guys, it's Liam, Jackson, and Logan are the top three. And nowhere could I ever find anywhere on that list of how many names another Meldon. Like, I mean, just how many Meldons have you met and how many others would you want to meet? Probably none. You know, but then you, you take like the Duggars, you know, that family with, uh, you know, 20, or 19 kids and plus who knows how much and, and all of that kind of craziness that, uh, in their lives. And, and I, I know, um, anyways, they name all of their kids with J names, right? You know, and, and it's just crazy. You start running out of them after 19 kids, I would think. But, you know, and so some people name their kids, you know, in, in these kind of ways. Um, sometimes people will choose Bible names, you know, um, Jezebel, yeah, don't choose that name. You know, you don't hear that often, but didn't you know a Jezebel? I, I, there was somebody who, who recently had told me that someone's name is actually Jezebel. And it's just like, yeah, you know, if you're going to pick a Bible name, choose a good, you know, character in, in the Bible, you know. And, and so, you know, oftentimes we think of names, you know, and especially Bible names. You know, there's, there, there's some great names of, of some, some great people who live great lives for God. And in the Old Testament, however, back when this was written, names were very important. They weren't just a designation for a person, but it was also showed that this person belonged, that they were important, and names were a description of character, a description of honor, of significance. And at times we even see in the Old Testament and, and even in the New Testament that God would change the name of an individual to mark a new work that God was wanting to do in and through their lives. And so here in Exodus 20, verse 7, we see the name. And the name that is referred to here is Jehovah. This is the covenant-keeping, covenant-making God that they are referring to. The God of promise, the God of deliverance, the God of grace. And the name of God was so holy and sacred. At one time, in the years to follow in Levitical culture, the name of God was seen so sacred that it would only be pronounced one time of year, and that would be on the Day of Atonement by the high priest. People were like, oh, we don't want to break this command, and we see the holiness, the greatness, the power of God. We're not even going to say his name, because we just don't even want to say it, even come close to it, saying it improperly. This was the way that they saw God and understood who he was. I mean, this is something else I read this week, that when it would come time to recopying a manuscript of the word of God, that the scribes, those that were doing it, would write the name Yahweh. After they would write the name Yahweh, which is a name for God, the way that the Hebrew language refers to God, they would put down their pen or their stylus, whatever it was that they were using. They would go and they would take a ceremonial uh, bath of their entire body, pick up a new pen and continue writing because they saw the holiness and the greatness. This is the awesome, gracious, covenantal, promise-keeping, personal name of God. And this is why God is saying, don't misuse my name. It's important. This is a big deal. Even in the New Testament, when the disciples of Jesus came to him and said, Father, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6, verse 9, or they came to him and said, Jesus, not Father, Jesus, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6, 9, he teaches them. And what does he say? Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hey, how you doing? Oh, hallowed be your name. Holy, respected, powerful, revered, honored. That's how we approach God. 
We don't take it lightly. There's power in the name. No other name carries such weight, such supremacy, such significance than the name of our God. There's power in the name. Never do you see on social media or in a text message or, you know, the, the way that, that people will oftentimes put a three-letter little abbreviation for, for this. You'll never see OMB. You know, you never hear someone say, oh, my Buddha. There's no power in that name. It's not a power name. It's not, oh, Muhammad, I stubbed my toe. You know, or Joseph Smith, it's hot out here. You know, the founder of the Mormons. You know, like, no, you don't refer. I mean, there's no power in those names. But there is in the name of Jesus. And that is why his name is so holy and so sacred. But that's also why it's such a big deal when we misuse his name. There's power in the name of Jehovah God. There's power in his name. People allow these scriptures just, just to, to flood over you right now, and this is where we're going we're gonna, to gonna work through this rather quickly. And so, so you may want to write down the references, but, but listen to these names. Go back online and, and get them or send me that email. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is his strong tower. It's in his name. It says the righteous, they run to him and they're saved because of his name. John 1, 12, but to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Acts 8, verse 16, we are baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts 3, 6, as people are healed, we are healed in the name of Jesus. Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We are saved in the name of of Jesus. Demons shudder, Acts 2, or James 2, 9 tells us, demons shudder at the name of Jesus. <laughs> Tries him crazy because it's the power. It's the name. He's the one. Romans 15, verse 9, we are to worship the name of Jesus. What do we do here at Harvest? We lift high the name of Jesus in worship. That's so important. Joel 2, 32, Romans 10, 13, Acts 2, 21. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Philippians 2, 9. Therefore, God is highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Oh, folks, may we have a growing affection and love and appreciation of the holy, the awesome, the great name of Jesus. Oh, may our understanding of, of who he is and what he has done just continue to grow in our lives, bubbling out of us. And you see, when that is on the grow in our lives, our lips don't want to have anything to do that, don't want to speak of him in any sort of improper way. Oh, may we be growing in this. Second of all, may we see the danger of misusing the name. There's great danger in misusing the name. In the last part of verse 7, there it says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God will not allow the violator of this command to go unpunished. That's what God's word tells us. Because he will not allow his character to be defamed. In Leviticus 24, 
we see that violators of this command were stoned to death publicly. This is a serious matter. Even in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul warns the church about taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy or in a vain way. We don't make mockery. We don't take light of our God and what he has done in providing a sacrifice for Christ. The people there in, in the Corinthian church were taking it lightly. They're just thinking of it as a snack after, you know, or an appetizer before lunch or whatever it might be. Or they weren't taking time to examine their hearts. They weren't repenting of sin. They were eating and drinking in an unworthy way. And in that, he says, it, it's a serious matter. He says, that's why some of you are becoming sick and that's why some of you have even died. God will not allow us to go unpunished in doing this. This is the seriousness of God's word. I'm not giving you gospel light today. I'm not, I'm not, not wanting to, to just, you know, I, j- just allow you to become familiar with the sin and say, oh, no, this is a big deal. But we get to point to a great Savior and great hope, and there's great forgiveness for all of us in this. What does the word vain mean? It means empty, worthless, without substance, lacking vitality, lacking reality, insincere. And it says we are not to take God's name in this way. But folks, it's so much more than profanity. So much more than an expression and just using it wrongly. I want to give to you some ways that we can easily misuse his name and maybe aren't even aware of it. And some of it is pretty obvious. First of all, by careless oaths and promises. As you read in Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 23, making oaths and vows in the name of God was actually encouraged. Yeah. You swear in the name of God that you're going to do something. You take an oath in the name of God. However, when you make an oath, it's not to be broken. You are to be a person of your word. And the penalty for the misuse of God's name was death, as I already mentioned in Leviticus 24, 16. It is a serious matter. And as human nature goes, and as they continue to live this out, and they understood the third commandment and wondered, oh boy, you know, like I, I'd like to, you know, leave a little loophole. I mean, isn't that our nature? We're always looking for the loophole in things. I mean, and, and didn't that start on the playground for you and for me? It's just, you know, you know, oh, I promise I'll do this. And what do you do with your hands as you're doing that? You go like this behind your back. Any of you do that, or is that a Saskatchewan thing? You know, like, did, did you? Yeah, of course, you know. It, it's like, you know, and then people say, well, let me see your hands. And so you do this, and then I'm crossing my toes, and you can't see them, you know. And so if you cross your fingers or your toes, then it doesn't matter. Then, then, then you can make a promise, but you can break it, because you, you are, Charlotte tells me as she works for the federal government, that every year there's a new tax book that comes out on income tax, on, on filling the loopholes that people are finding to get, away with not paying their taxes. And so there's always this kind of thing. And they were doing this, in Je- doing this in Jesus' time, in the Old Testament period. So what they would do is like, okay, I'm gonna swear, I'm gonna make an oath, I'm gonna make a vow, but I'm not gonna use it on the name, in God's name. I'm gonna do it, um, I'm gonna swear on the temple. Or I'm gonna swear on the gold of the temple. Or I'm gonna swear on the altar. Or I'm gonna swear on um, that person's head. Or on that person's, you know, on, on, on that person. I mean, how many of us at times have you heard people say, or maybe even use it yourself, I swear on my mother's grave, you know, and like, my mother's still alive. You know, I mean, you, you say these things, you know, and, 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 and it's deflecting it. And, and, and this way they would, would be able to better break their vow. 
pretty smart. We do the same kind of thing. And so in, in, in Jesus' day, in Matthew 5, and then again in Matthew 23, Jesus says, stop making these silly oaths. Cut it out. Quit looking for loopholes. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You know, like when you catch that giant fish and you say it was this big, don't say, I swear to you by whatever or swear in God's name that it was this big because everyone knows you're lying. You know, like, I mean, come on. I mean, and, and who really knows the truth on that anyways, you know? And because and it, it's always so much bigger in our minds, you know, or however we imagine these kind of things. Be truthful. Let's be honorable people. Keep your word. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Fulfill commitments. Fulfill your marital vows. These are serious things before God. Careless speech is another way that we can misuse the name. Write down this verse. Write down this verse. Psalm 141, verse 3. This would be a great way to start the day. This would be a great thing to have, you know, in your vehicle, in your bathroom mirror. You know, you can write it, you know, in soap, you know, and, and, and so then you'll see it. You no, know, um, uh, those who clean the mirrors may not appreciate that. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Great way to, to pray that every day, throughout the day. O Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. God, help me from speaking thoughtlessly in a way that would bring you dishonor. This is not just participating in takes, taking God's name in vain, um, although that is part of it. And whether it's using God's name in vain or whatever it is, be careful of the substitutes. We've come up with a lot of substitutes, and, and I, I don't want to start coming up with a list for you, but, but here's a few. Gosh. Who are you really saying? Golly or gee. And I say this to you gently and lovingly. I, I don't want to come out with, with, with this list, but, but when we do that kind of thing, even using it as a substitute, we're, we're demeaning the name of God because that's really what we're implying. Or, you know, careless speech in, in some other areas where maybe we say, we try to say it in, in just almost as a filler, like praise the Lord or thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I got the job. Yeah, that's a good thing to be thankful for. Thank you, Jesus, gas went down. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And, and, and we just kind of let it roll off our tongues or, or praise the Lord, praise the Lord. For I've been so convicted of this. Even this past week and just thinking, you know, how, how some of these expressions can just become platitudes and a platitude is something that is trite, that is light, that, that is just a filler. That's not the name of our God. That's not the name of Jesus. It's, he's not light. He's not just a filler. He's just not kind of a, you know, that go-to little statement. Let's not trivialize it. Let's, let's uphold his name. And we do that. And, and, and as we worship him and, and as we gaze upon his glory, we don't want to diminish who he is, diminish his glory or disrespect him. You say, well, I sure know a lot of people. I sure hope they listen to this message. You know, I'll have to buy 10 CDs or, you know, send some links to the, to the, to the website, you know, and please, 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 please don't take your, don't take the job upon yourself to be the language police here, you know, and, and parents and home, yes, we are responsible in how we train up our children in the language that comes out of there. But when speaking to someone and confronting them, about the way they use God's name or the, the way that they go on. Do it in love. Pray before you do it. Don't do it out of anger. 
speak about the beauty and the greatness of Jesus, who he is. And in more, in about carrying their speech so that your holy ears don't hear bad words at work or whether it's at the hockey game or whatever it is. Care more about their hearts and their soul. That's more important. Because when God changes the heart, he changes the mouth. That's, that's the real deal. That's what's really important. That they know our love. That we do it gently. Like Paul said to young Timothy, set an example in your speech. We need to be setting that example in our speech. Another way that, um, that we can misuse the name of God is through careless living. In, in more recent years, um, this has become more popular. And, and I think that ultimately it's been done to, to, to just make Jesus more relevant. Make Jesus more relevant to, to unbelievers so maybe they, they will believe and just see that we're not a bunch of square pegs and, and boring and, and that kind of thing. And so we're trying to lighten Jesus' image. You know, his image doesn't need to be lightened. That will happen enough in society. We don't need to lighten it. And, 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 and like you, I actually received one of these some years ago. I tried to find it. It's some in a box somewhere because I knew I just couldn't get rid of it because I would use it someday. And then the day I could use it, I can't find it. But um, Jesus' bobbleheads. You can go and you can, you know, buddy Christ. Funny? No. Yeah, no. Not, not the way that we desire to think of him and what he's done for us. Or um, Christian t-shirts. And there's a lot of bad ones like Air Jesus, the ultimate high. And usually there's a scripture verse that is associated with these kind of, kind of things. You know, like it's the spoof off of Air Jordan. Jordan was a uh, basketball player. It was pretty famous a few years ago. Um, everyone's forgetting about him now. Um, or Jesus is my BFF, my best friend forever. Is that what it stands for? You know, and, and you know, again, just, just trivializing or um, this next one, don't put it up yet. You know how um, Budweiser uh, apparently, I guess it's maybe good. I don't know. People like it. it. It's known as the king of beers. So look at this t-shirt. Budweiser, king of kings. The wise men knew his blood's for you. Funny, yeah, it get, gets a message across. <clears throat> Funny, sad, it diminishes the greatness and the transcendence and the majesty and the glory and, and what Christ has done. It, it takes God, who is all these things, and just makes them very ordinary. And he is an ordinary God. Another way that we can take God's name is vain, in vain is saying, that I'm a Christian, that I'm a believer, and, and then live in a way that is inconsistent with the name of God, with, with God's word. And what we can do is we can cause other people around us to blaspheme God. Because they end up saying, well, if that's the way a Christian is, I want nothing to do with that God. And then they go on a tirade of what they think about that person and their God. When we don't conduct our business above board, when we gossip, when we cheat, when we tell coarse jokes, when we disrespect authority, when we don't live by what God's words stand for, we misrepresent and we profane his name. 
people end up saying, well, if that's the way Christians are, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, sure, there's going to be some people that are going to put you under a microscope and you can't do anything to please them. You just pray for them and you desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. But there are some that, I mean, anything you do. Um, I had a girl like that in, in, in middle school age that just anything that she saw me do, I mean, it was like, ah, didn't think Christians are supposed to do that. You know, and, and, after, and, and she was so far from being a believer. And then in more recent years, I heard she's given her life to Christ. Love that. You know, but, but I mean, there's going to be those who you can never please. But it's about not pleasing man. It's about pleasing God. But may there be a growing desire based out of God's goodness and his greatness in our lives that all that we would do would bring him glory that a life that would honor him. And, and, and that's where 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, 1 Peter 2, 12 says, live honorable lives among the young believers that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That people would look and say, hey, there's something different about that person. They talk differently. They act differently. They talk about Jesus in a way that no one else speaks about him. It's not as a swear, it's not as a cuss word, it's, it's out of worship, it's, it's out of love, it's, it's out of great respect and honor. One of the great ways that, and as we look at this, people say, what makes them tick? What makes that person different? There's something about them, I want that. And it's even when we mess up, when we royally screw up, which we will, around people, around family, around neighbors, that we're quick with humble and repentive hearts to make that right and to tell them, I'm sorry. And so maybe you're sitting here today, perhaps like me all week, going through this, and upon hearing this, you kind of think, oh yeah, I've, I've got some stuff in my past, I've got some stuff in my present, and my words, my life, I, I'm, I'm living some of these things, and, and there's other ways too. I mean, this is just short list of, of a number of things that, that I'm living in a vain way, I'm living in a profane way. Can we be growing together in this? Can we be praying for one another in this? May we be repentant hypocrites? Because we all are in this. May we be people who are humble and gracious and allow others to speak into our lives. And I also want to declare to you today, there is hope. There is forgiveness. Because using the name of God rightly brings life. This is amazing that it's not about just downplaying our, our disobedience and just justifying well, everyone's doing it and, and that and becoming familiar with our sins and oh well, in the end, love wins. Now, this, is, this is serious stuff. If you want to clean up your mouth, clean up your life, it doesn't start with just trying harder, more discipline or having a swear jar, you know, like I'll put $5 every time I do that. You know, eventually it's going to cost you or else you're going to end up, you know, doing it. And, and it's not about just behavior modification. It starts with seeing God for who he is, his glory, his beauty. That song we are singing, that, that song, I encourage you to go on the email. If, if you didn't listen to it, if you're not reading the weekly emails, do it. There was a link to that song. I encourage you to be listening to that song. One name, one word. One God, one Savior. I mean, just that song is just so, so full of, of great truth about who our God is. And when we lift up his name, when we worship him in this way, it does something in our hearts. It, he goes to work because we're, we're honoring, we're worshiping, we're, we're people of forgiveness saying, yes, I've fallen short, but his mercy, his grace floods into our lives as we repent. 
The only answer to this, the only answer to keeping this commandment is the gospel. And this is, this is mind-blowing. Think about this. Just, just think just for a moment. If you forget everything else we talk about today, this is so important. Jesus comes to this world as a baby. The one whose name we're taking in vain, he comes to this world. The people who are misusing and misrepresenting his name. And he lives a perfect life. The one whose name we belittle shows love through his words and his actions. And he goes to the cross and he substitutes himself in our place. He suffers and he dies for people like us who have violated commandment number one, commandment number two, and even commandment number three here today, and so on. And what does he do from the cross? He yells out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's the grace. That's the gospel. That's what he's done for us. And so we run to him in repentance. We run to him in submission and surrender. We obey his word. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. We're going to honor the relationships. We're going to honor our vows. We're going to honor our commitments. We're going to put him first in our lives. And how that looks is going to be different for each one. But it's going to show that's why we lift up his name in our speech. That's why we don't want to use his, his name in a disrespectful way. And the way that we get victory is by examining our hearts, repenting of those areas, being broken over our sin, and asking God to forgive us. The proper use of God's name elevates our love for him. Yeah, it reveals our sin, but it points us to his grace and his mercy and our hearts are transformed from the inside out. This is the work that he does in our lives.